0: Good afternoon, everyone. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. If you have one, go with me to the book of Proverbs, chapter 18. The book of Proverbs, chapter 18. Uh, Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to you, biological and spiritual fathers here. Uh, My name is Rich. I'm the lead pastor at New Life. If this is your first time here, uh, at the end of our service here, I'll be downstairs. Some of our staff will be downstairs as well. So please introduce yourself to us before you walk out of here. Now we are in a series looking through the book of Proverbs. We're calling it Ancient Wisdom for Modern Times. Two weeks ago, Pete kicked us off talking about uh, the wisdom of prudence. Um, if you haven't heard that sermon, it would be prudent of you to do so. So... Um, do that last week i talked about the wisdom of searching for wisdom today we're going to hear about the wisdom of our words the wisdom of our words and so proverbs 18 we'll get there in a moment let's pray let's invite god to speak to us the holy spirit to move us um to translate scripture into the way we live in the world today let's pray Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Lord, speak to us through the power of your spirit. Transform us. Meet us right where we are today, but don't leave us there, Lord. Bring us into a greater awareness of who you are and what your son Jesus wants to do in us today. We offer this time to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, and everyone said... Amen. Most of us in this room have probably heard particular sayings in our homes and in our schools and in our neighborhoods that had to deal with the power of our words, the power of our words. There's a lot of common wisdom that's available to us because deep down inside we know the good that our words can produce and we know the bad that our words can produce. And so growing, th- growing up we heard sayings uh, like this here, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. You know that's not true. Uh, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. But we heard Proverbs, street Proverbs, as you will, as it pertains to words. We heard things like this here. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything. I put my mother there. I think my mother originated that whole thing there. I heard it so many times growing up uh, in our home. We've heard uh, illustrations, you know, the toothpaste a uh, saying where, uh, if, if you, about your words, that, that once words are spoken, they can never be taken back. It's just out that you can't put the toothpaste back into the tube. And so, from early on in life, we have heard about the power of our words. We learn early on in the playgrounds that our words can do serious harm, and our words can do serious good. And yet this elementary lesson is something that we need to come back to over and over and over again because it's safe to say that much of our sinning has to do with the words that we speak. And so this is a very urgent topic for us today because we live in a very wordy world, a very wordy world. Our our words are more visible than they've ever been before. Our words travel much farther than they ever did before because of technology. But with the advances of technology, there has not been advances in terms of the wisdom that many of us use in our words. This is why so many of the Proverbs speak to the words that we speak, and we desperately need to grow in this area in our lives. Because what's at stake here is not just having a decent life or a better life. The Proverbs let us know that what's at stake here is life and death. One of the biggest ways we kill people is with the words that we speak. And one of the greatest ways that we give life to people is with the words that we speak. And so a good diagnostic question for us this morning is this. Are the words you are using bringing life or death to the people around you? In your workplace, in your home, in school, are the words that you are using bringing life or death to people around you? As a parent, how would you describe the words you are speaking over your children? Maybe we should ask your children the question, how are the words you are speaking to your children? As a married person, how are the words you're speaking to your husband and wife? As a dating person, how are the words you might be speaking to your boyfriend or or girlfriend? How would you describe the words you speak to your coworkers and your boss? How would you describe the words you use when someone cuts you off in traffic on Queens Boulevard? We're not going to say those out loud right now. We'll hold that the after the service. How would you describe the words you use for someone voting for that presidential candidate that you can't stand? <laughs> And so, in this respect, it's really a good time for us to take an inventory of how wise our words are. And a couple of weeks ago, Pete introduced us to this spectrum, this this foolish wisdom spectrum. That on the one side you have the mockers, you have the fools, and you have the wise and the prudent. And as I thought about this spectrum here, I thought that there are really two ways that you can analyze this. You can analyze it in one holistic kind of way. That is to say, are you more of a wise person in your decisions, or are you more of a foolish person in your decisions, or you can take it by specific category. Because the reality is we can be wise in one area, but be fools in another. You can be wise in your relationships, but be a fool with your money. You can be wise in the exercise of how you use your time, but you can be a fool with how you deal with your anger. And so today the question is, how would you measure the use of your words. How Are you on the wise end of the spectrum or are you on the foolish end of the spectrum? And to assess this is critically important because we have to be mindful of something that Jesus says in the New Testament. And when I read this past week, I was a bit unnerved, a, a little bothered by something Jesus said, and I was convicted by it. And as I was reading the scripture, I said, it's not fair that I'm the only one experiencing this level of conviction. Our church should be convicted too. And so I want to show you a verse that Jesus says. Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 12. He says, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. Yeah, that should promote that. Oh, you should be groaning in this. Oh, you know, you would think this is Old Testament stuff. Old Testament stuff. This is coming out of Jesus' mouth saying, On the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. And so, this passage that we're going to see in Proverbs and this verse right here should wake us up to pay attention to the words we speak. And we need to pay attention because if our world needs anything, our world needs people with wise speech. In this political season, our world desperately needs people with wise speech. In our homes, we desperately need people with wise speech. In our workplaces, we desperately need people with wise speech. And so our passage is Proverbs 18, beginning uh, verse 21, hear the word of the Lord. It says, the tongue has the power of life and death and those who love it will eat its fruit. The King James Version says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. The Message Translation says, words kill, words give life. They're either poison or fruit, you choose. The Book of Proverbs offers us a way to flourish as human beings ways to flourish as families, ways to flourish as the community of God. They are tried and tested principles that seek to guide us in a way that helps us to honor God and love people. And throughout the book of Proverbs, there are many themes, but the book of Proverbs has more to say about words than any other theme. More than family, more than money, more than sex, the book of Proverbs has more to say about words than anything else. And so what it's basically telling us is our words matter. Our conversations matter. Whether it's coming in email form, text messaging, blogging, our phone calls, social media, whatever it is, our words matter because much of the tension that exists in our world, in our schools, in our neighborhoods, in our offices, on social media, come as a result of foolish words. And so the text says that there's death, and life in the power of the tongue. Now, this proverb is thousands of years old, and yet it remains one of the most relevant pieces of wisdom. First off, it says that death can come as a result of our words. I want to focus on that for a moment. All of us have experienced this. All of us in this room know what it's like to say something that you later regret. Sometimes we know it as we're saying it. It's coming out of our mouth and we're going, this is bad, but I can't stop. It's like, I cannot stop saying it. We know what it's like to, to speak words that bring death to others. And some of us know it, some of us need to be told that our words are killing others. Some of us have probably experienced being on the receiving end of these, uh, these death to us, these death words, I'm calling them. Someone gossiped about you, death. Someone judged you, Death. Someone criticized you, death. Someone compared you to someone else, why aren't you more like that person? Death. Our tongues have the capacity to be uh, weapons of mass destruction. It's our words that bring about war. It's our words that bring about a separation. It's our words that wound, This our words that have incredible power. And so this proverb is to jolt us, is to make us uneasy, is to wake us up. And so like I said last week, the book of Proverbs, it's almost like a, a plea that a father, it's Father's Day, the father would have for his child to say, don't live your life without wisdom. Last week I said the plea is don't make decisions in isolation. Search for Wisdom. The plea this week is God saying to us, know the power of your words that your words can kill or your words can bring life. And so first of all, the proverb wants to let us know that, that there is something called really death words that we offer. Death words are words that label. Labeling means making just total judgments on someone based on a part of their lives. Whether that part is their class or the color of their skin or their religion or their sexual orientation, you are speaking death words by labeling people. Because we refuse to see the whole person. Death words marginalize. Death words criticize. Death words wound each other. Death words are are words that diminish other people. And Proverbs is saying it's not the words are just not hurting people. It is life and death. It's a cutting off because of the words that we use. Now this week I came across a um, a rabbinic saying, and I I thought wow this is true to form. This is what it says about our words and killing. It says whenever one speaks ill of another, it is as if the person were killing three people the speaker who has perpetrated evil, the object of the language whose reputation has been slandered, and the one who listened to the slander, now an accomplice. And so whenever we speak ill, there are three people. And if there are more people just listening into it, there's more than that. And so our world is filled with death words. That's almost, it's almost, that's all we see sometimes. That's all we hear sometimes, death words. And the reality is, it's not just the outside world that's filled with death words. Our inside worlds are filled with death words as well. Many of us have had words find their way into our minds and find their way into our hearts. And these words have power over us. These are words that have identified us for years, and as a result, we live diminished lives. Many of you in the room, you have internalized words that have been spoken to you over the course of the years, and these words have lodged inside of your soul, and they've impacted decisions that you make. Maybe you heard this. Maybe it wasn't said directly to you like this, but it was said in some roundabout way that you you, you believe this about yourself. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough, I'm not pretty enough, I'm not strong enough, I'm not thin enough, I'm not accomplished enough. Maybe you said this about yourself, maybe you said, I'm so stupid or I'll I'll never be anything or no one will want to be with me, no one wants to marry me. These are words that get lodged into our souls, that take deep root and impact the way we live in our world. Now, growing up, there were words spoken to me by well-meaning people that I find were lodged inside of me that impacted the way I saw myself, the way I made decisions. Growing up at, uh, you know, seven, eight, nine years old, ten years old, I would would hear constantly from well-meaning people, especially in a Latino culture. You are so skinny why don't you eat, eat some more, eat some more. You, you, you didn't finish that on your plate, eat some more. And so seven and eight and nine and 10, eat some more. You don't know, I'm gonna give you some more to eat. And this is like this body shaming thing here. And well-meaning people saying, eat some more, you know, yourself. and look at that there, and I realized, how words like that spoken constantly over and over and over and over and over again, all of a sudden I start seeing myself a particular way. And when I go to the beach, all of a sudden I'm I'm cognizant of the words that have been spoken to me. When I look in the mirror, I'm cognizant of the words that have been spoken over me. And these words have a way of lodging inside of our hearts. And all of us have heard words to some degree or another like that, whether it's you're too skinny, Or you're too big, or you're too short, or your eyes are too small, or your hair is like this, or or you look like that. And all of a sudden, these words lodge inside of us, and they are death words used to diminish us. And that's just what's spoken. Then there's these other messages that the evil one would try to speak into our own lives as well. And we have these words that have been lodged into our souls, diminishing us. And so in in light of this epidemic of death words in our culture, death words out there and death words in here, we desperately need good news. Because all we hear is bad news. Bad news out there and bad news in here. And we come to church every Sunday primarily to hear good news. And the good news, let me unpack the good news for us this afternoon. The good news of the gospel is this, that death words don't have the last word. Amen. Death words don't have the last word. The good news. I'm just getting started. The good news of Christianity The good news of the gospel is that death words don't have the last word. The one who has the last word is God. And this is what I love about Jesus, that Jesus is described as being the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And I love that Jesus is the Word because what the gospel writer is letting us know is that Jesus' Word can overcome every other word. Jesus's word has power over every death word. Jesus's word has power over every negative word. Jesus's word has power over every word spoken over you, over every word we see out there in our culture. Jesus's word is the last word. His word has power over every word that has wounded you. His word has power over every word that has reshaped and deformed the way you see yourself. And so we declare as the people of God this good news when we gather on Sunday morning that we are not subjected to these death words. We're subjected to another word. That those death words have no power over us because of Jesus. His word is to break those words. And once we embrace the reality that God's word over you is your identity, these other words begin to lose their power. Jesus experienced this himself before Jesus began his ministry. What I love about it is, is he gets baptized. He comes out of the water. And when he comes out of the water, there is a voice, the father speaking good words over his son, and he comes out of the water, the the Holy spirit comes as like a dove, and then the words say, this is my son in whom. I'm well pleased. What I love about that is the timing of when Jesus received that word. Because you would think Jesus should have received that word after he did something. Jesus, it would make sense after Jesus healed 10 lepers, that after he healed them, a voice would come out of heaven and say, did you see that? This is my son. in whom I'm well pleased. After Jesus walks on water, you would expect the voice to say, (coughs) did you see that? This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. After he resurrected Lazarus from the dead, a voice should have come out of heaven right there. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. But what I love about the voice of God and when it comes to Jesus, is God's words comes to Jesus before Jesus did anything. Before he healed anyone, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Before he walked on water, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Before he raised Lazarus from the dead, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Before he resurrected himself from the dead, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. The Father speaks good words over Jesus, and those good words got inside Jesus' life so much that the evil one's words couldn't get in. And I know that because right after he was baptized and the words came down from heaven, Jesus would go into the wilderness. And when he went into the wilderness, he was tempted for 40 days. And the temptation was for Jesus to to say, to, to not allow that word that had been spoken over him to identify him. And so the evil one says, if you are the son, do this. Jesus says, no, if you turn stone into bread, if you are the son, jump from the top of the temple and angels will catch you. If you are the son, bow and I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world and time and time again, Jesus would say, no, 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 why? Because of what happened right before the temptation, Jesus had his identity based on the word of God. And when your identity is based on what God says about you, the evil one can't speak words over you. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. I love this third service. You guys are giving it to me today. Let's do this next week again. I'm just like, man, we're we feeling good today. It's Father's Day. We're feeling really good today. And so the, the principle is you cannot give what you have not received. When you hear people speaking death words all the time, for me, it makes sense. If you've never received life words, all you know how to give is death words, you only give what you've received. But if you receive life words, you can give life words. And so this is why we need silence. Pastor Rich, you're talking about silence again? You're talking about Sabbath again? You're talking about daily offices again? You're talking about prayer again? Absolutely. Because until we are silent enough to hear what God says about us and where our identity is, we will continue to speak death words into this culture and death words over people. And so we need to be silent enough to hear what God says about us. We are to live into this reality. And so if the premise is we only give what we've received and we need to receive God's word of affirmation, God's word of love, that love that we receive, that grace that we receive, those good words that we receive from God are now to be given to the world. We received it and now we are to give it. The question is, how do we do it? And So what I wanna do is I wanna spend the rest of our time just talking about what does it look like to wisely use our words? What does it look like to speak words of life? Whether it's in the workplace, in our homes, in our schools, in the neighborhood, what does it look like to speak words of life, and I wanna get super practical here. The book of of Proverbs is is very practical, and I wanna talk about four ways to wisely use our words. The first way to wisely use our words is it's basically this, to talk less, listen more. To talk less, listen more. I love what Proverbs 10 says. It says, in the multitude of words, sin is not lacking, but he who restrains his lips is wise. One of the best ways to use our words is to use less of them. And I don't know about you, but very often, the less I talk, the better I do. Not in this context here. Not not right now. We're not talking right now, but in life. (laughs) Very often, the less I talk, the better I do. But I don't always live this way. I've made promises that I can't keep because I'm just talking. Oh, I'll do that. Of course I'll do that. And I go, why did I say that? Now, why did I say that? I've said things that I later regret. I've learned this with social media as well. There are times where I've gotten into a, a heated discussion about an issue, and I know I'm about to cross the line something is just brewing inside of me. I saw, you ever see something that someone posts or a picture and all of a sudden something is rising inside of you and I start, start typing and I'm going like, and whenever you move your head like this here, you know it's not a good sign. When you start going, I'll tell you whatever, I'm gonna tell, I'll am tell you whatever. Whenever you're ahead, pay attention to your head when you're on social media. If your head is going back and forth like this, do not press send. There's this is wisdom right here. Whenever the head is all over the place, I'll tell you, what, don't press send. And the reason we are to be mindful of this is because in a technologically advanced world, our words last much longer than we want them to. There's something called the screenshot. Have you heard of this? Of course you have a screenshot. So you post something and then a minute later, you go, that wasn't right. Let me delete it. Too late. Candidate, uh, politicians know this. Business people know this. They post something and go, you know what? I don't think that was right. It's too late. Someone already screenshot it. And then they post it to everyone. And then you can't say, it wasn't me. It was you. <laughs> oh, yes, it was. And so we are to wisely just, Use, talk less, and listen more. And this is why silence is so. Our words, really, as followers of Jesus, should be born out of silence. The words that we speak should flow out of a contemplative, reflective, prayerful life. I love, I love what, one of Plato's Proverbs. He says, wise men speak because they have something to say. Fools speak because they have to say something. The wise speak because they have something to say. And so we are to talk less and listen more. How do we use wise speech? How do we speak words that give life? Well, second, when you are angry, wait to speak. Now, this, is not, this isn't stuff you've never heard before. This is just a refresher for us. When you are angry, wait to speak. Sometimes we need minutes, hours days, weeks to speak. When we're triggered by something. We live in a world where everyone knows what I think seconds later. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to let them know what I think. But here's the problem. Much, much of the words that we speak, whether face-to-face, whether online, they don't flow out of reflection. They flow out of, like, reactivity. Not reflection, reactivity. There's absolutely time for anger. It's a good emotion. Jesus, God gave us anger. It's a good emotion. But in our anger, we are often prone to wounding others. And so let me ask you the question. Have you said something in anger this past week? Maybe snapped at your children. Yelled at your spouse. Cursed somebody out had social media rage because of something someone said. One of the Proverbs says, a fool gives full vent to his anger, but a wise person keeps themselves under control. Now, this is hard. This is difficult. Because in heated moments, whether face-to-face or online, it almost feels like physiologically, like I have to say something. Like, oh, oh, I I have to, I I just, I cannot, I have to physio my body. I'm going to die if I don't say something. It feels like that sometimes. Now, I'm not advocating for us to, to stuff our anger. Not at all. But what would it look like for us to be more reflective about our anger? To go deeper into our anger? The question is, why am I so angry about this? What has been triggered inside of me? Where did this come from? Because many times our anger is displaced. And so we get home, we step on our our kid's toy and we lash out on the kid. It wasn't about the kid, it was something that happened at work. But we never took the time to really reflect about our anger, to process our anger, and many times it gets displaced. And so when you are angry, Wait to, and and we need the, talk about we need the power of God. We need the power of God for this. the Power of the spirit to do this. And so when you're angry, uh, talk less, listen more. When you're angry, wait to speak. The third is this. How, How do we speak wise words? How do we speak words that give life? Well, third is be willing to tell the truth, even if the cost is high. Be willing to tell the truth even if the cost is high. To speak words that bring life doesn't always mean that the words are going to be kind and soft or nice. You'll notice in the Bible, Jesus is never depicted as nice. Nice is not a fruit of the spirit, by the way. (laughs) Kindness is. To speak life means that we tell the truth even if the cost is high. This is personally, this is socially. And so in this scenario, not speaking can become sin. There are times where you observe something at work, in our society, some form of injustice. To speak words of life means that we speak the truth. But this takes incredible wisdom. When To not say something, you know something's wrong. You know there's injustice. You know that that is not right. And for us to remain silent and say, you know what, I'm not going to say anything about it, makes us oftentimes complicit in the injustice. And so to speak with wisdom and speak with words that give life means that we tell the truth even if the cost is high. And there's a tension that we have to hold on to. Because the Bible says to, to speak truth in love. It says that our, our conversations, our words, should be words of grace seasoned with salt. And then you look at Jesus. There are times in the New Testament where Jesus says words like this, and I quote, speaking to the religious leaders, you brood of vipers. When I read that I go, man, Jesus must have missed his devotional that morning. What, I mean, <laughs> what's happening here? You leaders are a tomb of dead men's bones. I'm like, man, Jesus, did you have your quiet time this morning? I mean, you're pretty angry here. And yet Jesus is without sin. And so this is the tension that we have. The implications are staggering. That we are, we are not called to lie. We are called, not called to turn a blind eye to injustice. We are to proclaim truth even if the cost is high. And yet we are to do it in such a nuanced way that it takes the guidance and and leadership of the spirit of God inside of us. And so we are to proclaim truth even if the cost is high, which leads me to my last point here. That to speak words of wisdom, to speak words that bring life, it means very practically that we choose our words and timing carefully. And what I, I should add before, where I should add, we choose our life words. We are so accustomed to death words, we choose life words and our timing carefully. Proverbs fifteen twenty two. it says a, a person finds joy in giving an apt reply, and how good is a timely word? Life words. What we need, the church needs to grow into is learning how to speak life words. The saddest reality is when the church is speaking death words, death words of judgment to the world, Je- death words of condemnation, death words. This is why uh, we'll talk about what happened in Orlando last week. I, I never, you heard so much foolishness from Christians around the country speaking death words over the homosexual community and the LGBT community. It's like death words there. When the church should be speaking life words. And so the church, what we need to do is practice, how do we give life words? This is a discipleship thing. This is discipleship. And so a life word is like, like thank you, but not just thank you in some kind of like generalized. I mean, we're thoughtful about our thank yous. As a people of God, we give thought to thank yous. We say thank you for taking out the garbage and putting another bag in the thing as well. I noticed you did that. I noticed you, 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 you put the dishes away, and then you loaded the dishwasher as well. Oh, thank you. Our, our, our thank yous should not just live in the realm of generalities. They need to live in the realm of specificity. We have to be specific about the thank yous. Words like, I love you to friends and to family members and to children. I love you because this, that we're thoughtful with the words that we speak. I appreciate you because you did this. Most of us, we think good thoughts about people, but we don't say them. Thinking good thoughts does nothing for them. We we are to actually say, we are to bring encouragement and compliment, and we don't compliment people with a preface, prefacing our statement by saying something like this. Don't let this go to your head. I sense the conviction of the spirit in the room here. Uh, don't, Don't let this go to your head, but you sang a nice song. Don't let this go to your head, but you did a good job there. What's what's so bad about prefacing statements with don't let this go to your head is, number one, it's this. It's a judgment on that person, thinking that they're going to let any uh, 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 compliment go to their head. So you're already making a judgment about someone. But secondly, it presupposes that we live every day of the week receiving words of affirmation and encouragement. Our world, you are more prone to hearing death words over you than life words. And so we don't need to preface statements with don't let this go to your head. We just need to say, hey, you did a great job with that, and here's why. We need to learn how to speak life words to people. We're modeling the way of God. We're modeling the way of Jesus, speaking life. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. And so this is really the invitation this week. The invitation is is, is which of these do you need to grow in this week? Don't take four, that's overwhelming, take one. Where, where are you having a hard time in your current following of Jesus, and your current discipleship? Maybe it's talking less and listening more. And you're saying, Lord, this week, help me to talk less and listen more. Maybe you're, you're the type of person, when you get angry, you, you give a full vent to your anger. And, and today, Lord, this week, help me to wait to speak. It's, it's almost—it's gonna feel like a crucifixion to wait, but we've taken up our cross. Be willing to tell the truth even if the cost is high. For, for some of us in this room, we are afraid to speak up because our identity is in what people are gonna think about us, not about what we're senting God calling us to say. And choosing our words and timing carefully. So my invitation is that we would choose one. We would be led by God and by the grace of God that we would grow in the wisdom of our words. And the reality is this. The reality is this is one of the more difficult messages to live. By God's grace, by the work of the Spirit inside of us, we can make progress. But from time to time and from day to day and from hour to hour, we will miss the mark. But here's good news. God says, I know about your lies. I know about your broken commitments. I know about your exaggerations. I know about your death words. I know all of that. But in Christ, I forgive you. And in Christ, I can transform you. And in Christ, I can renew your hearts, which leads to a transformation of words. And so we keep coming back to Jesus. Whenever we sin, we ask, For forgiveness, and really, this is a a, a really wonderful way of applying it. If you've spoken death words over people this past week, this past month, this past year, and you have a sense, you've said some hurtful things to someone, and you just need to just make amends, you need to repent, you need to say, listen, would you forgive me for speaking those words over you? Maybe the Holy Spirit would lead us to be a community that we go back and say, I spoke a death word over you, I spoke a word of critique over you, a word of comparison And I'm going to use my words now to bring restoration to this relationship, to bring healing to this relationship, to use those words to create a new future. And so let me invite you to close your eyes. Let me invite the worship team to come forward. And I want to give us a moment of private confession. And then we're going to pray a prayer of confession together aloud. Let's take a moment or so just to pause. Maybe you want to ask God for forgiveness. Maybe you want to ask God for liberation. How is the Holy Spirit speaking to you this afternoon? Let's pause and then we'll pray a prayer of confession together. Amen. Let's all stand together. There's a prayer of confession here on the screen, and I want us to pray it aloud together because this is our way as a church. We just don't deal with our sins privately. As a people of God, we confess our sins publicly. We're basically saying to each other, I'm in the same boat as you are, and you're in the same boat as I am in. That we all have to grow in this area. By confessing, we say, Lord, this is where we failed, but Lord, this is where you forgive and how you offer life to us. And so as the people of God here in Queens, New York City, let's pray this prayer together. Holy God, we know we have hurt one another with our words. We know we have acted against your rule of love. We know that we sin. We also know that you love us and forgive us in Christ. So help us speak wise words that bring life. And in all we say and do, may we bring glory to your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all sing together. As we close our service, uh, let's have the work, uh, prayer team come to my left. We have the Lord's table to my right. One of the ways that we, we give unto the Lord glory to his name is in the way that we speak wisdom by which we speak, the life by which our words carry. And so really there are two invitations for those who would like to receive prayer. Every Sunday we close our gathering for those who would like to receive prayer. And there's two uh, people, two types of people in this room that might want to respond. First, are those of you that you are carrying these death words, these words that have diminished you these words that have identified you, you've internalized them as a result, you see yourself a particular way, you make decisions, sometimes foolish, destructive decisions based on what has been spoken over you. And in Jesus' name, Jesus wants to break off words, break off curses, he wants to offer life. And that's why we close with prayer for those who would want to receive the life-giving words of God to break death words that have so dominated us. And the work of discipleship is coming back over and over to the voice that says, you are my son. Coming back over and over to say, to the voice that says, you are my daughter in whom I'm well pleased. That's discipleship, coming back to that voice. And so if you want to receive maybe freedom today, uh, something of the power of God, you can come forward. Maybe you're not even a Christian today. A friend invited you. You came here today. But you know you've had death words. You've been carrying death words. And it has diminished you. And you're longing for life. Jesus Christ is that word that gives us life. He is the word of God that gives us life. And so you can come forward. We would love to pray for you. The second, for, for those of you that you have been speaking death words, for whatever reason, you just know your speech has been out of control. Your speech has been foolish, and as a way of repenting, you've been judging others, labeling, criticizing, and you just wanna say, Lord, forgive me. Fill me with your spirit. May I speak life and not death. You cannot give what you have not received. So however God has been speaking to you today through scripture, uh, you can respond to that. And to my right, we have the Lord's table. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, the word died for us, resurrected for us. When we take bread and we dip it into a cup, we say, Lord, may our words shape us. May we embody your words in concrete ways And so you can come and receive the bread and the cup as well. But as we close, let me invite you to open your hands towards heaven to receive a blessing. We close every gathering like this as a posture of receiving this is a benediction. A benediction is to speak well of, good words. We live in a culture that's used to bad words, death words. We come together as the people of God to hear words of life. And so with your hands and your hearts, in a posture of receiving brothers and sisters and sons and daughters of the living God, may the Lord bless you and may he keep you shine his face upon you may he fill you with peace and may you walk out of this building in the power of the holy spirit receiving the word that says you are my son you are my daughter in whom i'm well pleased and may that received word go out to the world who desperately needs life-giving speech May you receive the love of God this week. May you hear the voice that calls you his beloved. May you offer words of life everywhere you go. I bless you all in the strong, in the beautiful, in the life-giving name of Jesus and the people of God said, amen. Grace and peace, everyone.